Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Today, Brandon Schwab will be joining us to talk about how he got involved in real estate acquisition, particularly assisted living homes for the elders. He is the CEO of Shepherd Premier Living, and he talks about the process of converting a property into a nursing care facility, the challenges of handling a service-driven industry, and how they use technology to improve the service that they provide for the elders. So let's get started. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Brandon, for joining my brother and I, Chris, on the podcast here. You know, you're with Shepherd Premier Assisted Living and we're excited out of Chicago and we're, we're super excited to learn more about how you got into this arena and how real estate's like helps and is involved with it. So you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I first got into this particular industry in 2000, about 14, but back before that, actually, I was able to detail cars, boats, and also RVs from until 2010. I was able to get into this industry because I was looking for passive income. So I was able to earn awesome active income, but I didn't ever have any avenue that I can earn some good income for the passive income. And a thing that I did is just my grandpa, who was 85 at the time, was able to go into a place that was a 200 bed building. He had to have help. And he went to a 200 bed building. And the place he was able to go didn't offer very good care. And as he had to have help, we pulled the pull cord button. And it was a thing at the time that I thought that if you pulled the pull cord button, that people would just come, be able to do everything to come over to and like help them out. And they just didn't do that. So like after 10, 15, about 25, I was able to go out to go find a person to help them. So the odor going into these these places, caring for the elderly is typically pretty bad. I mean, have either of you ever been able to go into either of those type places oh, before? Yeah, like I remember. The odor I mean, is you like right in the face, right? Yeah, the, it smells like chlorine or it's really like super sterile, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Brandon. Hey, it's Chris. Yeah, you know, from growing up, when AJ and I were in elementary school, we would go visit nursing homes. And then as well, our mom recently went into a care home. And, you know, gotcha. it's, it is just such a distinct experience. I wish yeah. it could be some other way. And so that's why AJ and I are super excited to talk to you about what you've done with these care homes and, and kind of how you got there. And then a little bit about how, you know, you look for a good opportunity as well. So why don't uh-huh. you get back to the story about, you know, what made you made the, make the move from, I guess, detailing cars to getting into real estate? Well, that business for detailing cars got basically ended in 2008 because everything basically was able to end, right? Yeah, <laughs> so revenue just got end, killed during the crash. It was absolutely killed. I had a big contract with an RV 
dealership that I was all over the place. I was earning awesome money. And then 2008 happened and all of that just came all well, in Everybody the had hole. to sell their boats and their RVs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They all got repoed. And, and from 2008 to 2010, I did everything I could to get that thing going again. But just everything I was able to do was just like, I can't ever get back to the income that I had beforehand. So I did pick up, I was able to begin in 2010. So I was able to wholesale between about 10 to about 18 deals each year. So I was good at earning active income. Yeah, but that's every deal pretty impressive. I did, Eight, you know, well, 10 double digit wholesale deals. That's a lot of work. So it is. And then after you were done, you had to go, Oh my God, I have to just keep on going and just push and push and push and to, to keep that pipeline full. For you to, yeah. And then a thing that I got awesome at is I got good at being able to get the owners that I was talking to to carry back terms, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seller carried contract. Mm-hmm. And that was That's all that tool. I was able to. Um, yeah. And that was perfect because at the time I didn't have a whole ton of extra cash. So I couldn't do the average type of extra deal, right? And that put me in a place that those deals were awesome. And our average deal, I was earning about five to 10,000 each month, right? Or for every deal. So I had active income, but I couldn't figure out how do I get paid if I don't have to keep on being able to do this. So in 2012, our goal was to open up about 30 homes that I could put tenants in all of them because I was thinking because everyone is able to tell you if you are able to have them and for X period of time, by the end of it, they're all going to be fully paid off. So I had, by the end of 2014, I built up a portfolio. I had about 23 homes that had built up a passive income of about 5,400 each month. That's great. And to be honest, were most of those like seller carried contracts then is how you got, uh, got those? So all of them were. Yeah. I was good at being able to find people that had bought their home about 10 years beforehand to about 12 years that didn't have a ton of equity. Those are easy deals, right? Those are all out there, but people pass them up all day long. So a thing that I did is I got good at because I figured out on a 30 year fixed mortgage, you only pay interest for the first about 15 years. But after that, those payments click down in, yeah. So I got good at that. The average deal that I did, the term was about 10 years. And I always bought properties that I would, so I would buy them for the dollars owed on it. So over time, that is able to go down, 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 down. So point being, as I did that, I was able to put people in them, typically people that could not qualify to purchase their own home. So if a person that owns their own, their own company, right? They often have, they have the upfront dollars to put down, but they cannot qualify through an actual bank. So I'd have a person put five, 10, 15, $20,000 down. And then I would add for cash flow, I added about 200 to about $300 each month. So then I had ongoing and then I go, huh, this is pretty good. And then at that time, I was able to open up our, a club of investors. And then I began teaching other people how to do it. And then that club over time 
had about 100 to 110 people in it, right? So I had the audience, right? Yeah. And a thing yeah. that happened that's is by the end of it, huh? I'm just saying, like, that's pretty impressive to build up. Yeah, you especially over a short are, period of time. Yeah, you're incredibly entrepreneurial. Like, <laughs> just, I'm extremely impressed with what you've been able to build and, you know, what you've gone through. So, very cool. Well, perfect. Thank you. I had bought our first house, had our first kid. So I had a whole ton of things that I had to go have things that happen, you know, like they all, I had to eat, right? (laughs) So that whole business got going and I thought I was going to own all these homes. By the end of 2014 or by the beginning of 2014, I had about 23 homes. I built up a passive income of about 50 400 each month. And to be honest, I was kind of arrogant that I thought that I kind of had it all like totally perfect, right? Yeah, you cracked the and code. That is, that is the be ego, right? Smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. And then this thing called ego is able to come in there, right? And so I brought our 33-foot boat down to Florida in June or July in 2014. And Kelly's dad who I have been together with Kelly now for about 14 years now, but Kelly's dad, he was a chiropractor for about 30 plus years, right? So the thing that he did to give back is he took his piano to the old folks home 328 times per year. He would play his piano and he would tell his funny jokes until I figured out that he told the idea identical jokes over and over <laughs> it was the same, it was the same like, one holy shit like that's ho- it's the same thing i'm gonna i'm and gonna put I you go, on the spot do you do you remember the what the joke was no but he but he <laughs> tells them the identical ones over and over and i'm just like kelly is there anything i can do that i don't have to go i will do anything <laughs> and kelly's able to like give me this look like and <laughs> that is i have to go or else right I, fine so i end up going right and the whole time i'm like pissed right i'm like do i have to go this is dumb it's the identical thing and then we pull up to a house so typically down there they are going to go up 10 12 these tall places full of odor of just like pee it's horrible so i typically hate going but this time we pull up to a house and i go text your dad where the hell are we at right and her dad pulls up and i go into this house and it's probably in a cold stack right it's probably a 2800 foot house there's houses on each side very close to it right and i go where the hell am I at? So keep in mind that I have the ego, right? That I think I have it all figured out. And I go in there and I do this thing, right? So I have the arms crossed and I go, what is this place? Because at the time I felt kind of, I felt kind of ignorant that I didn't have any clue what the hell this was. Right. And I got the courage up in between all of his terrible things he's able to talk about, right? His terrible just his things over and over. I 
and I'm able to grab the girl in charge and I go, hey, do you think you could tell me like how much these people are, are able to pay to be here? And I threw out an example of about 1500 to $2,000. And so her answer was, huh, and she just kind of kept on going. So, so I go, Kelly, what the heck was that? And I ended up talking to her dad and I asked for that girl's and I was able to call her the day after. And so I go, Hey, I was probably too high, but do you think you can tell me the thing that they actually pay? And this girl goes, Brandon, Oh my God, I feel so bad. I thought um, you were only kidding because they begin at $5,200 per month. Yeah. Three times what you thought. Wow. And I'm like, Oh my God. And then us coming home back from Tampa, we're probably in Tennessee or Kentucky somewhere. And I've got two kids that tend to hit every other exit, the entire path home. So it takes forever to get back home. Right. But I'm thinking at probably 2 a.m. And I go, Oh my goodness, that house with five people in it outperformed our entire portfolio of 23 homes, two times per month. (laughs) Because I head, figured out your head just blown, right? That is just Dude, incredible. I couldn't believe it because I'm going, oh my God, how was I that dumb that I had 23 homes and I thought that I was doing everything that they told us to do, be able to own homes and be able to just hold them on to them forever. And I did it and I was unhappy, you know, like I had tenants that did bad things to our houses. And before that trip, I had a 10 o'clock three toilet that backed up a fully finished basement with poop. Oof. So I don't oh, know. We know that people, story. But that was it for me. I couldn't yeah. do it after that. I said, I'm done. And before that, I was at a event for church and I felt that this church pastor was only talking to me. So I'm here, right? And he was talking to me. And by the end of it, I was like, what am I going to do with that? And then about 30 days after that, I was down in Florida. And I came back home and I said, I am going to get into this. So the thing that I did is I was able to go to our club of different investors, right? And I got in front of 110 people. And I said, hey, guys, I have 23 homes. Who's interested? You should have heard this place. It was quiet. (laughs) they're like what's going on is he on drugs what's he doing right i ended up offering because i had tenants in all of them this thing this thing this thing he was earning money yeah it was a performing portfolio yeah so i offloaded 22 of them in about 30 days and i found a awesome house in a town of 832 people awesome right we bought it for 250000 It was on the MLS for about 500000 So I offered half for all cash, or I offered to pay him 500000 if he would carry back terms, right? And nice. he took the offer of cash. And I'm like, crap, wow. I don't have a whole ton of it. <laughs> so, I, so I got in the first house. And a thing that I found out is the idea of only having about five beds per house is tough for me because I don't operate any of these homes. I had to find a home that could handle 10 beds. So I would be able to hire a person to to be able to go in to, to operate. So I found this house that was about 5,000 feet and I overdid everything, right? I bought it for 250 
through a bank and then I invested $550,000 into it. Overdid everything. I didn't have a clue the thing I ought to do, so I added everything. I added three AD. When, when you said you like overdid everything, like how, how did you find out what to do? Or is there like rate? Did you have to like research regulations? Like what, how did you figure out like how to offer assisted living? So I did. So there are codes and if you buy a house and if you are going to convert it into this purpose, you only need to have 10% of the house to be ADA Kim client. So that's in ADA bathroom and an ADA access point to get into the house. But I go, okay, so are you telling me if they're going to go out back, they have to go out the front door and go back behind the house. So I ended up adding about three ADA, ADA, bathrooms and three ADA access points to get in and out of the house. I added a fire protection system and I added a kitchen and I did all of that, right? It came to a tune of about 550,000. And okay, so, so stop, stop there. Uh, yeah, so, I got I got a question too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Chris. Well, so when you were researching the code to meet all of the requirements, what was that process like? Like, I know that you, one of the codes oh, that it only needed to be ADA compliant. Was that part of the reason why you chose the location of that home so that there would be less regulation? I, so I was able to choose this home and now, and this code here is about 200 pages. And so I will tell you guys, I'm, I don't know if I've ever been claimed it, but I'm probably ADHD. Absolutely. So to go through <laughs> 200 pages is like pain. It, it is painful as it could be. So by the end of it, so I had to go through it about five different times. So that took me forever. But a thing that I found is, is that I'm going to find a home that's about 4,000 to about 5,000 feet because I was aiming to have 10 beds total. So I am looking for about three bedrooms that have two people in it each and then have four private bedrooms for a total of 10. So that process of going through to open up this house, I was able to open it and I got our first about two people into it. And then at that point, I quickly figured out that I needed a partner that had experience operating this type of asset. So a thing that I was doing at that time Chris, is I was calling on church pastors because I figured a church pastor is going to have a pretty good clue of the places people are going to go, right? Which is, and that's a great idea. But this church pastor goes, you have to talk with this person. So I got introduced to Teresa in 2015, who was in the healthcare industry for 38 plus years. And this gal was incredible, awesome heart, awesome person. And I got a chance to partner up with her in 2015. So after that, that happened, that is amazing. I figured out that, mm -hmm. so I figured out that I was very good at opening up the homes, but I had to have a partner to actually operate it. So fast forward to today. Well, what, why don't we still stick on this first deal? So do you want to kind of break down you know, where, where you source the funds for the purchase, where you source the funds for the remodel, and then what, you know, like after you, I guess, stabilize your asset, what did 
Like what did your capital situation look like after you had financed it? Are there special loan programs for retirement facilities? No. In fact, I am in this business for about five plus years and I have, I don't have a just single bank that has been able to help us the entire time. I have done this whole business getting the owner to carry back terms for about five to 10 years. And then I am going to bring in private capital through investors to cover the dollars to open it. So this very first property, it was on the MLS for about 500 days and it was on the MLS for about $500,000, right? And I put an offer for 50% for all cash. And then I gave them an offer for owner carry back at about 500,000, thinking that they are going to take the offer for 500,000. And they came back and they took the offer for all cash. So at the time I had to go to one of our investors to take it down at 200 and about 50,000. And then he gave me the option to purchase it. So that was how I was able to get that part done. I put up 200,000 up front and he put up about 300,000 and total collectively, we had about $550,000 into it. So after this house got opened and I filled it, so I opened it September of 15 and I hit a hundred percent occupancy February of 17. After that point, I had it appraised in 2018 and it appraised for the guy gave me a 13.5% cap rate and it appraised for just 1.8 million. So I'm like, with a 13% cap rate? <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. A 13.5% cap rate. And at the time of that, I was actually kind of pissed. I was like, these things go for eight to 10, a 10% cap rate all day long. Yeah. But he gave me a 13.5. So you, you were doing too well. Was, you, well, were, you were doing too was, well is what it sounds like. Well, a thing that is able to happen, guys, is this guy goes, it's a 10-bed home that has a total income of 55000 each month, and it has expenses of 32000 And this guy could not get it. His head was like, I don't get it. So he was able to discount that cap rate because as that, that cap rate is able to go up, that is able to hurt the actual outcome of the asset that yeah. if he gave me a 10% cap rate, it would appraise at about 2.4 million. Yeah. The lower, the so lower, like, the cap rate, the higher the valuation price of the yeah. house. So having that so cap rate it, at 13 instead of 10 definitely hurt you on the valuation. It, but, de- it definitely did hurt me. But, but what were you having it appraised for? Well, that first partner that I was able to go in there, he was looking to get his, because I got a five-year option to purchase, right? It was time for us to purchase him out, okay? So it was our process in 2008 that this property was earning twenty or 22000 each month. I went to a bank to get the capital out and to pay him off. Now, this is a whole other topic that this could take this whole call. But this this partner identified that our business was doing very good. So he was pushing to get equity. And it was the type of the business partnership that he was in a apartment type guy. And I 
was not interested in being an equity partner with him. So, well, yeah, when your business is so lucrative, it makes total sense to keep him as a lender. (laughs) Yeah. Any way that you can. Yeah. A thing that is funny is before I got this business up and operational, he was kind of like, you know, keep your distance. Well, I don't get, don't partner up with him. But then as I was able to prove that he was able to earn awesome money, then his whole tune changed, right? Then he's like, whoa, 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 come over here. Come over here, partner. And I'm like, partner, what the fuck are you talking about, partner? <laughs> and that's how it pushed us to go buy him out. But he brought us to his bank and his bank gave us an appraisal for a 13.5% cap rate. But I think that I thought it, the thing that I thought it, so it is interesting, is this house that just got bought for 250000 the appraiser was able to give just $1.52 million towards the asset and only 240000 towards the actual business. And I go, huh, Yeah, and that's, that's unbelievable. How the heck does that happen? Well, yeah, but there's guy, no way that that this, home would just sell by itself for over a million dollars. Thank you. Thank you. But this guy goes, oh, my God, I'm on this just golden goose now. So then he pushed to break the option to buy contract. And he was able to to up his price to about just one point three five million. And I said, nah, pound sand, take it. So that property taught me a ton. It was a deal that I ought to have bought them out early, but at the time I could not get bank financing that would give me capital to buy it on our own. So it has been an interesting curve with that first deal taught us a ton, a ton, ton. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is the, you had to, you had to give up that AJ. first, you had to give up that first deal. Did you, did yeah, you just like so, walk, you just walked away from it? No, see our, five-year option expired August of 2000 this past year, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was an awesome year, right? You've got everything going on. (laughs) The pandemic, Um, you know. The pandemic. So I've got two properties that I'm just pouring cash into. And this guy goes, his business is doing good. I have to figure out how to be able to get into it. So he upped it. Our option price was 722,000 he upped it to 1.35 million and so I said you're going to have to take this back so I took everybody out of that house to a other property now keep in mind that every 30 days I was paying him 10,000 each month so I figured he isn't going to be able to pass on that right I figured that he's going to just keep on be able to take those checks mm-hmm. now he opted to pursue opening up his own business. And he currently today at the time of us filming this, he's got two out of 10 people. (laughs) Yeah. So I am anticipating that this property is going to come back to us. Very interesting. So So what percent do you think it is your business operation versus setting up the retirement home? I have the expertise to open up these homes. I have a whole team of people that's able to do the day-to-day, the, the day-to-day piece. The background I have, Chris, definitely doesn't help 
for the day-to-day operations. I had to bring in a actual team to handle that. The part to operate exponentially is the hardest thing. If any, if any person is on here thinking that that part is easy, I promise you it is not. Anytime you have to deal with actual people and offering care, it's a very difficult business to be in. It's got to be very um, service, I, service driven and like just a bunch of customer service, have, right? So a thing that that will happen is you actually have to truly have the, you have to actually have the heart to actually offer awesome care. Anybody that's able to get in here just to earn money isn't going to do good. Okay. Um, you have to first care. And if a person has a background as an LPN or RN and they are interested, that's a whole different topic. But oftentimes, those people don't have any clue how to open up the actual home, right? They count on other people to open up the asset, but they are able to operate it for sure. Awesome. That's amazing. Why don't we get into our, I mean, there's just so much amazing information that that you've given us so far. So I know that you said that you, this one, your first property, you had to like give back, like, where are you now? And kind of tell us what you're doing. Like, what what are you getting into? So to be able to give you an idea, that first property, I had a five-year option to buy on it. So I opened the house in 2015. I opened up home two in 2017. I bought it anyways. And that um, home two I got, it was a home with two floors and an elevator. And it was about just 7,300 feet. It was built in the 1800s. If anybody ever thinks of buying anything from the 1800s, don't. Bad idea. I came into it with an upfront budget of about 150,000 paint, carpet, and I was going to add two 88 bathrooms, right? Disaster. That budget expanded to 450,000. <laughs> so I added home three and two at the end of 2018. And then I bought home that took place of our first home in 17th. The process to get permits takes forever too. So by the time that August 2020 happened, I had a house in Crystal Lake that was 5,200 feet. That's also 10 beds. And I took everyone out of our first house and into Crystal Lake. So that was able to go well. And then today I'm actually in a home today that is home four for us. And this is the house for Bull valley and this house is 18,000 feet. This is a very interesting deal because this house was on the MLS back in 2015 for 2.4 million. And I put an owner carry offer for about just 1.5 million, right? Mm -hmm. And the taxes on the house were 8,000 each month. So I'm thinking there probably isn't a whole ton of other people that are going to be able to go after this house, right? That's and, you're gonna be in a there's a small amount of people that are gonna take that house. <laughs> well, this house eight thousand a eight, month. Eight thousand per month. But it's on thirty-four acres and this house is eighteen thousand feet. So it's a huge house. And this house it was on thirty-four acres. It has a barn and it also has an elder coach house that's probably eighteen hundred feet. So I put a offer in, so I don't get it. A other guy buys it for 800 grand cash. Fast forward about 
half of a year, he gets busted with about 5,000 pounds of drugs. They take him what? to jail. <laughs> they don't turn the what heat What a story. On. Okay. So the pipes burst. The basement is a giant icicle that was just pouring downstairs. The county blocked the bank because this guy paid 800000 cash, but he took a $400,000 out on it and he put dollars back into it. The bank tried to get access to come in and take, to take care of the house and the county kept them from coming in. The pipes burst. The county had to pay $80,000 to get this whole place cleaned up. They took out carpet that I'm telling you was this thick, just about two inches of that old, like terrible carpet. And if that got damp, oh my goodness, I can tell you firsthand, taking out carpet that is damp is like 10 times heavier and terrible. Oh yeah. Carpet from the eighties, that's two inches thick. That'd be absolutely horrible. So I bought this house for $750,000 and at the closing table, Chris, I had an offer for the back 20 acres for 500 grand. That's incredible. I could have been all in to a 18,000 foot house for only 250,000. But at the time I thought I was going to be able to potentially to open up some other houses. So I was able to turn them down. I proceeded to put to 1.25 million into this house. So all in for 2 million and this house appraised for 4.8 million. That's incredible. This house and our other three properties will take our portfolio to about 50 beds total. A thing that's critical on that is after you have 50 beds, a bank is going to give you capital at a very cheap rate, about 3.5% to about 4.5%. But you have to have a portfolio of about 50 beds plus. So, I so you got to you got to scrape and crawl and try to get there however you can, and then after that you're it's Dude. you're kind of set. Once once the company's worth first, about ten million dollars, then the bank will take you seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean that's that's very me. that's very similar to real estate in general. Like you know, proven that you have any a, business, pr- proven that you have a track record, you're able to do it. You're you know how to get through the nitty and the gritty and figure something out. And then once you have that experience, like there's that trust and that rapport that, I mean, even institutions like start to give you. Yeah. Yeah. So to, for us to get to this point, I have had investors that have awesome active income come and like help us get these deals done that I could not have done any of these homes if I did not have them. Our average guy came in at about $200,000 with our biggest investors, about 2.5. What is a typical deal? What does a typical deal with an investor look like? I mean, are you offering up equity on the property or is it just a really lucrative kind of lending return, kind of a hard money situation? So for our first four deals, I didn't have the opportunity that I could get awesome terms on this. I had to give a bit of equity and also a upfront. I did a pref of that. It was a above average for sure. And I also be able to give them equity. That's how I got it done that their overall IRRs were 15 to 22%. So these, so these guys were happy. 
And they yeah. told everyone on that. So I had capital coming in to bring in actual capital partners to open up these other homes. But then, so I go, geez, if I'm offering so IRRs about 18 to 22%, I'm offering almost too much. And I had to drive our cost of capital down because it was very expensive to be paying all that. So for all of our guys that are part of our first four or about five deals, I offered them an awesome ROI. But I felt that I kind of had to. And then as the banks are able to come and play, I can buy back their dollars where their cash on cash return is going to be awesome. But that's how the whole deal is done is that I'm going to be able to buy them out. Our terms are about a three-year term was kind of so our average. So our upcoming investor isn't due till 2022. But by the end of 2021 here, I'll be offering them to buy those guys back out. So that's good for all of them. Their overall overall IRRs are awesome. And then for us, I can take out the expensive capital and put some capital on from a bank at about 3.5 to 4.5%. And out of that portion of capital that I'll be giving back, I'm anticipating about half of them are going to be able to give it back to me. <laughs> so I opened our own fund for capital that is going to be tied to each home that I open going forward. So I have a fund for debt that's going to be paying 8 to 12%. And then I have a fund for equity and debt, which is going to be an 8 and 8, an 8% PREF, an 8% an eight piece of equity. That's exciting. I'm yeah. guessing you guys are only accepting credited investors for, for um, these. Yeah. It's a thing that I've been calling on family offices. So I'm able to call on people that have the capital to park five to 10 into this type of fund because our business, particularly post COVID guys, our industry is able to change every day. I am able to compare it this way. If you think about the taxi, the taxi in now, so all of us talked on a bit of the E, if we think about the, if all of us get cocky, confident and have the E go, a thing that happens is tend to get too comfortable and don't put in the effort that it takes to keep on going. And if you think about the taxi yeah. cabin, if you think about the taxi cab industry, they didn't have to do anything different forever. And then came a company called Uber, right? Yep, Uber and, and Lyft. turned the whole thing upside down. If you think about our industry, caring for the elderly, and in our country, that I would argue is the best country on this entire planet, right? Yeah, has a very out, has a very outdated, broken just system to care for the elderly that that doesn't keep up. It isn't good enough to offer awesome care. And I think you guys are able to define that. These places that have 100 to 200 beds, the average caregiver has to care for 15 to 20 people. Now, if you ring that bell or pull that cord, somebody's not coming right seven. away. So, well, and here, guys, I hate, so I hate to get like to take it to a point that's kind of gross. But have you ever been in a building that the odor is that bad that people aren't, if a person doesn't get changed quickly after they're going to have an accident in their pants, it tends to have a pretty bad odor, right? 
that's telling you that, that they aren't getting good care. I have been using a Bluetooth technology, okay? This is crazy, right? That has a piece, it's a thing that clips on the top of their adult diaper. And as they go, it's going to text a different iPad, right? That iPad tells our caregiver who has to be changed. Wow. That's that is, amazing. So that's that, an incredible piece of technology. For every 10-bed I mean, home. That wasn't available, you know, 10 years ago. So it's technology is totally changing, changing the industry as well. These Brandon, visits, we are running visits. out of time. Just a little bit. So I think okay. that we've got to move on to our final four questions that we ask all of our guests. And okay. I'm super excited to hear your answers. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with the first question. What's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? I would tell to myself that I would build a business that has an asset tied to it underneath. And I would go at 25 years old, I was just having our first kid and I bought our first house. So I would tell them that anything is going to be possible and to just go and do it. I would say to have the confidence in yourself. Don't get too concerned about the other people's ideas of you, but just go. I have been too caught up with getting too concerned about other people's ideas or thoughts of either a how I'm how I am able to talk or all of these other things that if I could have got going earlier at 25, oh my goodness, but only build a business that's going to have an actual asset underneath. And to give you a good example is as I was able to detail cars, boats, and RVs, at the end of that, I didn't have any assets. Yeah, you hadn't built any equity in anything. In in the end, the business was gone, the revenue was gone, it was all gone. Yeah. And then at the end of it, that isn't a business that anyone's going to buy and pay anything for because it's too easy to, to get into it. Had I have gotten into a business that's always paying into a, if it was a actual asset over time, that's going to, that's the absolute best thing that if I could have taken back those about 14 years, I would be doing things different earlier, but I felt comfortable doing it and I probably would have gone over early. Okay. Well, I love that advice. Start a business that has an underlying asset underneath it. That's great. And if I am able to add anything to it, probably back at the time I didn't. So I didn't go through Audible as often as I do today. I'm telling you, anyone that thinks that they don't have to go through those books after you're done with college is absolutely crazy. That's key. Always be going back through the different books as well. I think in the Audible account I have, I've got 135 wow. total books. Continual learning. Yep, that's, that's the key. You have to have the lifelong must have for any entrepreneur. Okay. Bingo, um, you so you're a businessman. You have started quite a few businesses, but. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? I was about 15 years old and I was able to detail cars because I thought cars were awesome. And when I was 17, I got exposed to 
a boat dealership. And then I got exposed to boats, girls, and booze. And I was like, <laughs> that's fun. What a trifecta. Booze, babes, and beer. I like it. And that, that's incredible. So, at, so detailing so at that, cars. And you started your, basically, you were working as a 1099 contractor. Yeah. So at that time, so before I turned 18, I was earning 85000 per year. And I was like, this is great. I'm doing awesome. But it did take me until I had our very first kid to appreciate the time. So those first 10 years, guys, I was working about 80 hours per week. I was just putting in hours. And I thought that was the thing I had to do, right? But after I had our first boy, and particularly as he got to the age that I could coach him, when he was about four years old, I was putting in about 50 to 80 hours per week still. But as he turned four and I had a chance to coach baseball, I had to figure out a avenue that I could earn income that I didn't have to be able to yeah. put in the about Tying the it back to time. that underlying asset. AJ, do you want to ask your next question? Yeah. How has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? How is my formal and informal training? I don't just want to downplay public school, but that only teaches you how to go get a 40-hour-per-week gig for another person's company. So I'll tell you, the best education I've had is joining groups and being part of other people that have been able to do things that I was always itching to go do. And as I joined a group for collective I joined Collective Genius back in 2017, and I paid $20,000 each so on year to be in there. The type of people that are in these groups are able to up everything, and that pushed me probably, probably more than anything else, is by talking it of all those people there, open up doors that I couldn't even picture ever opening back in 2010. I didn't think that was even possible. So I would tell you to park dollars in the either a actual coach to help teach you because I feel that that's key because if you think the cost of education is expensive I would argue that the cost of if you don't do that is about yeah yeah and I have done things the tough way because I didn't have the capital at, at the time to pay for an actual coach and I'd argue in a first property, in a curve of learning, I did $250,000 of things the tough way that if I had an actual person to teach me, it would be easier. Yeah. All right. And then our final question, what was the deal that got away, whether business or real estate or just whatever opportunity, what was your Moby Dick, the one that got away? Has anyone ever been to... Tampa before? I have been to Tampa. I played in the Ultimate Frisbee National Championships there. Flew into Tampa. It's just outside in Sarasota. <laughs> okay. So downtown Tampa, there is a building downtown that's about 30 or 40 floors tall. It's an office building. And this building, I had access to get this property under contract for 20, 22 
to a million dollars. And I had to come up with the hard earnest money of a hundred thousand dollars. And as I was trying to come up with that, I was fishing for an end person to buy it. And I had it up for sale for 35 million. And as it came down to it, I could not come up with a hundred thousand dollars for a hard earnest money that I could have been able to wholesale the beer can building downtown Tampa for an eight figure fee. Cause I found a buyer who wow. offered me about 30 million and I was able to counter back that I was going to keep the top 34th floor, but I couldn't come up with a hundred thousand dollars. So I could have had an eight, eight figure deal on the beer can building. And if you were able to go ever to Tampa, every time I go there, I always have to, to look at that building and go, damn. <laughs> what could have been? So, so, so your wholesaling days. Well here. So that deal, it only came out of contract because the person who was going to buy it owned a local business that involved poker and gambling, that buyer didn't just want to disclose who they are. So it fell out of contract. As soon as it fell out of contract, I put a offer on it. <laughs> and it was the biggest contract I've ever put ever because I'm like, two, oh, 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 oh. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and I had it done. But at the time, I, I didn't have anyone that felt confident in me to put um, $100,000 that if I didn't close on it, that 100000 was gone. So wow. it was a pretty tall ask. But that $100,000 taught me mm -hmm, <laughs> for a whole building. That was a huge office building. Well, our plan, oh God, geez, even if we were to talk about this, I am going to get excited. Our plan was to convert it from office to a apartment building. And I had a buyer overseas that was going to pay us. 30 million for it. The but, one that got away. That, I think that's the biggest deal that we've heard on our podcast for the one that got away. So congratulations. So if you ever are able to go to Tampa, it's the only building that it looks like a giant beer can. And anytime I go there, I always think of it and I go, Oh God, he pulled it up. <laughs> AJ, you're killing me small. That's it. Thank you for pulling it up. <laughs> Now, this building is an incredible building downtown, and I almost had this thing so done for an eight-figure fee. That's, yeah. So, well, so that taught deal. me, Brandon, so that taught me, Brandon, you always have to have the capital in place before you go finding deals, because if you find an awesome deal and can't find the capital, this is the biggest deal that I had fall through on me. So, was it? that you didn't have the hundred grand to put down as earnest money. I was able, you were just a little scared to put it down. No. So at the time, this, this was in between 2010 and 2012. And I didn't have anyone or I didn't have access to it. First of all, and I could not convince anyone to put a hundred thousand dollars down. Now, a thing that was funny is the buyer that I found for it, he was able to counter, so I had it up for sale for $35 million. He was able to counter me at $30 million. I was able to counter back, and the deal, it was that he was going to give me the whole entire top 
yeah, the penthouse. Yeah, and then the person who was going to put up that that capital, so I was going to offer them about fifty percent of it. So at the end of it, the guy who I had the option with was able to pull it from me because I didn't have the ability to put up the capital. So I only got him to talk with me because it was a huge upfront earnest money that I did buy about 10 days and I just couldn't find anyone to offer that capital mm. in 10 days. But well, Brandon, deal, Chris. well, I mean, it sounds like you're doing pretty well, especially once you get up to 50 beds and what are you cash flowing about 2000 or $3,000 a month on each of those beds. That's some pretty incredible cash flow. So after this, house that I'm in here today is fully operational. Our so NOI after expenses is going to be about 80000 per month. Pretty incredible. Well, congratulations, Brandon. I'm sure that we'll be getting some Thank you, you know, interested you know, listeners who really want to hear more about it. So why don't you, if you want people to reach out to you, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? And how can they get a hold of you to ask you a few questions? So the thing that I find is best is I have the online calendar and for anybody that's on this podcast and so I'll give them up to 15 to about 30 minutes to talk on anything to do with either this particular business to invest or about anything. But you have to tell me that you came off of this particular podcast because I'm finding that I don't have time to do those anymore. But I feel very thankful to have the opportunity to talk to all of you guys. And I think if we could get him back on, I think it'd be interesting to have him tell everyone how all of us first came to talk. But the overall calendar online is going to be Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, and it's S to C-H-W-A-B.com. We'll share your email address on the show notes. So that anybody okay, can click yeah. on it. And yeah. then AJ, AJ had to run, but he'll do a quick little intro about how you guys met on the plane. And, okay. you know, just got, got to chatting a couple, you know, just random strangers chatting about yeah. real estate. I did want to say thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. I do have a couple yeah, other thanks. guys in here that I got to get to, but it was it's super informational. Out of here. But thank you so much, Brandon. I mean, I feel like I want to start one of these businesses. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And forward to chatting soon. Perfect. Thank you. If any person who's on here is interested in being able to open up their own home, I did type up about an 85-page book that I would give to any of them, but they'd have to tell me that they heard this podcast here. Great. That's awesome. I so I'm able to typically charge about $2,000 for that book, but I would be able to give it to anybody on here, but you got to tell me you heard on this particular podcast. This is okay. the only time I have we will, time. We will make sure yeah. to include that. <laughs> I'll send you a Thank follow-up you email with your show, asking for show notes and anything that else you want to include okay. on it. So. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.